glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. All right, what's going on, guys? It is Tuesday, October te- October 2nd, uh, and this is the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with Matt back on it again. Tuesday, we're going to uh, d- take care of some breaking news stuff today. Not really much going on except for the Le'Veon Bell news, which I will give my uh, opinion on. Then I will finish doing the afternoon Sunday slate games, breaking those down. I will give you my Monday night football recap as well and then I will go over some of the uh, the big college games that went down this past weekend uh, so that I can go ahead and preview the big games coming up this weekend on Thursday's podcast so since there's really not much breaking news wise as just the Le'Veon Bell thing I'm not gonna get the sound effect going and everything so for Le'Veon Bell uh, he came out late last night, I believe it was at either at halftime or some point in time during the Monday night game, and said that he is going to return week seven to the Pittsburgh Steelers, their bye week. A um, lot of reaction to this throughout the uh, throughout the day and last night. A lot of people upset about it and the fact that he's willing to come back then to get paid on, on a, I guess, what is technically the most players' week off with the bye week. Uh, you know, if he does come back by then, you would imagine the Steelers, depending on where they are record-wise, would either throw him in or give him a week to get ready, which does give him more than enough time as long as he doesn't get hurt to be available to play in enough games for it to count as a season so that he doesn't get uh, transition-tagged or uh, doesn't lose out on a year uh, without without playing. I believe you have to play at least six games for it to count as a full season, so for that to happen, he would need to come back sooner rather than later to make sure that he gets those six games in so that he can become a free agent next year, assuming that the Steelers are not going to end up franchise-tagging him again or transition-tagging him. So, I mean, I, I get why a lot of uh, players are upset and people are upset in the the Le'Veon Bell situation. Uh, it's hard for me to kind of go against the guy, though. I mean, you saw what happened to Earl Thomas this weekend and him uh, fracturing his left leg. I believe I said right leg on the podcast yesterday because I'm an idiot. Uh, with him fracturing his left leg, you know, he he cost himself millions of dollars with that happening. You know, Le'Veon Bell is doing everything he can to try and control a, in my opinion, shitty situation. He is doing everything he can to not get himself just run into the ground uh, and be able to make money. I mean, this is probably going to be his one chance at making a lifetime's worth of money right here. I mean, something that's going to change his life, his family's life. You know, I'm sure that he's made more than enough money throughout his career compared to, you know, regular people or whatever you consider regular people, people with, you know, blue-collar jobs and everything who are always putting in the time. And, you know, you can get mad and, and be frustrated with these guys showing the – or not showing up and playing and wanting to do better for themselves, but you can't pretend like you would not do the same thing if you had the opportunity to make millions upon millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. It's 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 smart, at least in my opinion, for him to do what he's doing. I, I don't know if I would have held out as long as he has – but good on him, you know. He he said at the beginning of the offseason he didn't want to get the Steelers giving him 400 carries. Well, the chances are that's not going to happen now with him coming back at Week 8. I mean, the first game he could realistically play in is Week 8. You know, that, so you're looking at close to a 10-week season for him. I mean, the best numbers he's put up in a 10-game stretch is about 300 touches for 1,200 yards, 1,600 yards altogether with the passing yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, that's a great season for most players, and I'm talking season, not just a 10-game stretch, and that's exactly what Le'Veon Bell's best 10-game stretch has been. So even though you're probably not getting that and it being his best 10-game stretch, you're going to get great production out of him. You know, In Dynasty Leagues, obviously, if you've been holding him, you can't wait for him to come back. Hopefully you're weathering the storm with him being out uh, and at least somewhat close to 500 or over 500 because once he gets back, Chances are, I, I would say, I remember last year when he came back, uh, right before uh, the the season started, actually, right before the season started, he came in, 
those first two games were horrible. I know I owned him in a couple redraft leagues, and uh, he was bad. I mean, he got new points just based on the catches in the receiving game, but did nothing on the ground. It's, it was about week three, week four, he really got going. So, you know, for for me, just fantasy wise, I think it's good news. You now know in redraft, I think the window's probably closed on you trying to get him. Now, you might still be able to get him if, say, the team that has him is still really bad and there's no chance that they're going to make it to week seven. Maybe that's the way you can kind of swing the trade toward him if you're trying to get Bell, uh, if your team is loaded, or if you're sitting at 4 and 0, you know, and there's some couple players that you could, you know, throw away to get Bell for the end of the season run, I would do it. Um, and if you are, if you have Bell and you're zero and four or one and three, to be honest with you, I'd probably I'd do everything you could to trade him right now. I know it's going to suck, especially if you end up playing the person who has him and they end up beating you with them. But you know you're not winning right now, and at this point you've got to make a move. Otherwise, you're just going to end up missing out on the playoffs and everything. And you could always turn it around, I guess. Uh, but you're wasting a, just a dead roster spot on a, on a probably more than likely first round pick sitting there, knowing he's not coming back for at least now another three or technically another four weeks, because that first game won't be until week eight. So, with all that being said, on Mister Le'Veon Bell and him coming back. Uh, some news that just broke, although it's not really fantasy relevant, but I'm going to go ahead and touch on it. Uh, Michael Kendricks, the linebacker who was with the Browns earlier this year uh, and then joined the Seahawks, had the um, the insider tra- trading uh, stuff go down with him. He has been suspended indefinitely by the NFL. That just came down about five minutes ago. Uh, so that's obviously bad news for the Seahawks, whose defense has been struggling. Uh, Kendricks has been pretty decent, I feel, for them. I was really hoping he'd work out for the Browns. So sucks for that. Hopefully, you know, I, like I said on the podcast, I think when it first happened, the chances are he's probably going to jail. Uh, you know, Martha Stewart, I would imagine, has a lot more clout than he does, and then she went to jail for a fair amount of time. So I would imagine that's where he's going to end up, unfortunately. But I guess when you make the decisions that you make, sometimes you got to live with the consequences. So, all that being said, uh, last thing, real quick, I keep, I'm sorry, I keep jumping right back in the news. Uh, the Rams have waived their kicker, Sam Ficken, and have signed Cairo Santos. Uh, for fantasy, I don't think that means much. I don't really see the Rams kicking a lot of field goals these days. Uh, Probably one of the best, if not the best, offense in the league right now. Uh, but still, if you're getting six or seven extra points a week, that's that's pretty good. I would imagine they'll eventually play some tougher defenses. That will cause them to kick field goals. So Cairo Santos, I still would probably pick him up. Although I think Greg the Leg is supposed to be back this year. So we'll definitely watch that. Uh, I'll look into more uh, Greg the Leg stuff here later in the week, and we'll talk about that maybe on Thursday or Friday's podcast with the game previews. But Sam Ficken is no longer the Rams kicker, and it is now Cairo Santos. All right, so for the first afternoon game, we're going to touch on the 2-2 two two Seattle Seahawks beating the now 0-4 Arizona Cardinals 20-17. to on the Seattle Seahawks side here, uh, really, Russell Wilson did not have a good game. Just 172 yards in the air. Uh, really one of the few games I've seen Russell Wilson struggle as much as he did. I feel like a lot of people have kind of overlooked Arizona's defense. They showed up big time in this game and really kind of shut everybody down. You know, I know 20-17 to 17 doesn't sound like it, but it was really a... Uh, a rough game for Russell Wilson, that offensive line, who I think everybody and their mother has talked about how bad it is. Uh, he's continued to have to run around for his life back there, and like I said, no touchdowns. I mean, he didn't throw any interceptions either, but just 172 yards, you know, add add 21 on the ground is just not, not a good day at all. Um, really, the only player who came through for you on the Seahawks would be Mike Davis in the backfield, 101 yards. On 21 carries, did get to two touchdowns. Uh, Pete Carroll has come out and said that with the game that Mike Davis played Sunday, he's earned his way into this rotation with Chris Carson. That Rashad Penny is going to be limited more toward kick returns and special team play. Guys, hopefully you've been listening to me all offseason and earlier. I told you guys I did not think Rashad Penny was going to be that good in the NFL now. I could still be wrong. This is only his rookie year. He could end up turning into something, but for me, he just his the competition he faced in college was not at all 
anything close to what he's facing right now in the NFL. He was great, yes, at San Diego State, but as I talked about before, Donnell Pumphrey, who, if you don't know who that is, was on the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, he ended up getting cut. Uh, and I mean, like I said, Rashad Penny couldn't even beat him out there at San Diego State. It wasn't until Pumphrey left that Penny got the got the rock and then turned in the career or the senior year that he did because really that's where a lot of his work came from. It was in his senior year. A lot of people are blown away by his speed. Not an overly big back, but you know, I just I really do hope he turns it around. As I've said before, you know, I don't wish anybody to be bad because these are their careers. This is the the career this guy wants, obviously, and um, I do wish uh, you know him all the best. I just I don't think he's an overly talented back. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Like I said, he's our, Pete Carroll's already come out and said that he's going to be moved more towards special teams. I don't think you can count on him at all this year. I don't think you really can count on anybody in this Seattle backfield. I mean, Mike Davis obviously is worth some kind of waiver claim if you can get him just because he's going to be sharing the ball with Chris Carson. I felt looked better than Chris Carson really has so far this season. But as bad as that offensive line is, I wouldn't trust either one of them. But if you ever get in a sticky situation or if, uh, you know, you've got multiple backs uh, on your bench for a bye week or something, Mike Davis wouldn't be a bad guy to throw in, especially if there's a game, again, that he could pull off uh, over 100 yards and, and two touchdowns. In the receiving game here, I mean, Doug Baldwin finally came back, had himself a good game. Uh, five catches, 41 yards, a lot better than I thought. I honestly didn't think he'd get much work here coming back from that knee injury. Uh, and he's going to be hard to trust going forward still just because we don't know how that is going to affect him. I was hoping to find some some stuff on him today, see if he was sore, if it was bothering him. I haven't been able to find anything just yet. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means that his knee isn't bothering him as much as we all thought it might coming off a full game. And then obviously Tyler Lockett just continues to be the, the number one right now at least for Seattle, five catches and 53 yards. Uh, Will Disley, just the one catch and five yards, but he is out. Uh, I didn't honestly know that yesterday. I hadn't had a chance to look into any of the afternoon games, so it was a patella injury. He is done for the season. Uh, so now you're you're really, at least in my opinion, looking for at just Nick Vanette. And, and Brandon Marshall, even though I know he's a wide receiver, not the tight end. Uh, Brandon Marshall, I think, will be the big red zone threat here. But Nick Vanette from Ohio State um, is a much better blocker than he is receiving tight end, though I do think he's improved on that and shown that he can do it. I mean, he showed it in the preseason at least this year. Uh, so he's definitely someone to watch on the Seattle team. On the Cardinals side of uh, things here, so Josh Rosen made his first official NFL start this weekend. And I thought he looked fairly decent. You know, 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, added 13 yards on the ground, but I'm not, I'm not expecting him to do much work on the ground, but really looks good here. And in, in retrospect, too, with Rosen, just made this whole offense look better. I mean, DJ, 71 yards on the ground and a touchdown. You know, the wide receivers struggled here, but, you know, in all honesty, Seattle's back end is still decent. They're not great. They're not the, what the Legion of Boom used to be. Uh, you know, their leading wide receiver, Ricky Seals-Jones, with 52 yards. Uh, Chad Williams did get touchdown catch for 22 yards. Uh, he's interesting, and I do like Chad Williams. Uh, I just don't know if he's ever going to break out. I feel like out of Grambling State, he was uh, he's good size. I thought he had a lot of potential. I really was excited about him coming into this offense with uh, Carson, or I was hoping it'd be Carson Palmer. Obviously, he reti- ended up retiring. Uh, but I do like Josh Rosen. I, I don't think he's as good as Mayfield or Darnold, but I think he's right there. I think he's just like a notch below those two guys out of this class at least. Uh, but I am excited and interested to see how he goes going forward. Just this this offensive line is just bad, guys, and, and it worries me a little bit, uh, you know, I just, oh man, I can't really explain how much that that offensive line scares me. Even though he did have a have a decent game here, it's it's something that worries me if if they play a better defense. But moving on from Rosen, like I said, David Johnson finally looked like the David Johnson of old. Seventy one yards on the ground and a touchdown. He did add forty one yards receiving as well. I do think David Johnson is back, guys. I think with having Bradford back there. 
most teams were not that scared about any of him going really deep, and so that allowed them to kind of play closer to the line of scrimmage and key in on just David Johnson. Rosen showed when he came in last week with three minutes left, and then this week that he can be a thrower of the ball. He he can run an offense, so I think that's going to help David Johnson out. They're not going to be able to stack the box against him now. They He just needs the wide receivers to step up and him to play a little bit better. I mean, Larry Fitz... You know, three catches for 28 yards. Christian Kirk, who balled out last week, just 28 yards. But I do expect this whole whole uh, team team to get it going here fairly quickly. Just give let's give Rosen maybe one more start, uh, just to kind of really get his feet underneath him and, and get playing well. And I would really like to see where this team goes as a whole because I'm excited for it. I think Rosen's really going to help turn this team around for at least this year. Uh, next up, we've got the. 1-3 San Francisco 49ers up against the 2-2 two two Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers winning 29-27. On the 49ers side here, I mean, C.J. Beathard actually played good. And I don't think this should be that big of a surprise because he actually did have quite a few good games last year. He just had more bad ones than good ones. Uh, but did go for 298 and two touchdowns. Had the two big interceptions as well. But I, I really liked what what Bether did here uh, from the quarterback position. Obviously, George Kittle was uh, almost like his main target all day long. Had 125 yards and a touchdown. Also got a touchdown to uh, the the wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, who added uh, you know just 34 yards on the three catches. But Bether looked good against the San Diego defense that. While they're they are struggling and dealing with some injuries, I still think they're a very good defense. So it was it was encouraging to see that um, in the rushing game here for San Francisco, though Matt Breida just thirty nine yards. He did get banged up a little bit more. Uh, came out and then came back in. Alfred Morris just fourteen yards on the ground. Uh, for me, I just don't think you can trust really anybody on this on this offensive side of the ball unless it's George Kittle. I I do think Bethard's going to look to Kittle. Uh, I do like Kittle still with Jimmy Garoppolo out. I mean, you still had, you know, Marquise Goodwin, 24 yards, and then that's really it. I mean, nobody else really showed up. The next best was we had a Pierre Garçon siding who put up 52 yards. So for me, uh, I mean, if you're desperate, Bethard is a good pickup, possibly. I, I do think that he played well. He could continue to play close to this most of the season. And then for me, just uh, just George Kittle, I would avoid Breida and Morris and really Garcon or Taylor uh, or even really Goodwin, unfortunately, at this point until we can either see if those two can connect better or maybe until next year when Jimmy G comes back. For Los Angeles, Phillip Rivers uh, just continues to just roll out and, and play football. 250 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception here. Uh, still looks good the, as I keep calling him the gunslinger, the old AFC West. He's just he's he's rolling, rolling and, and going. No no worries about Philip Rivers. He's going to continue to be a top t- probably fourteen quarterback. I think it's fair to say for him. Uh, and and balled out this week. He had a good game against a, a in my opinion a, a bottom half defense in the San Francisco 49ers. But he's going to continue to throw the ball every week, whether they're in games or not in games, because that's just what San Diego does. I'm sorry. Los Angeles does. I don't know how many times I've called him San Diego in the past couple of minutes, but I'm sure it's been a lot. Uh, on the ground here, Melvin Gordon, 104 yards. Uh, Gordon did add 55 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game. And again, as I've talked about before, that is really where all of his work comes from. He is, at least in my opinion, not a very good runner uh, or not a very good rusher of the ball, but he gets a lot of work in the passing game. And that's where most of his fantasy points and production is going to come from. Uh, Austin Eckler did come in as Gordon got hurt. Uh, not expected to be serious. I'd imagine he'll be back uh, this weekend uh, and should be fine. Uh, they are going up against Oakland this weekend, too, which uh, just really kind of got gashed by Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde. So definitely should be a good matchup for, for Melvin Gordon this coming Sunday. And uh, so back on Eckler, though, again, like I said, 25 yards on the ground, added 31 yards in the air and the touchdown. I really think that whichever one of these guys is playing, they're worth starting every week. If Melvin Gordon is held out or misses games or ends up getting an injury, I think Eckler can easily plug right in and be a high upside RB2. 
because Philip Rivers just seems to target these guys all the time. They've proven they can catch the ball. They're going to get in spaces, going to get matched up against linebackers and take advantage of it. So I'd be fine with either one of them. Uh, in the receiving game, though, for these guys, I mean, Antonio Gates scored as well, but really did nothing else, just 27 yards. I mean, he really is just a red zone threat at this point. Keenan Allen, just seven receptions with 63 yards. You know, not a, not explosive uh, but still a, a decent day. I would take, you know, easily 10 points out of, a, out of a wide receiver if you consider that a down day, a down day. And then Mike uh, Mike Williams, just the one catch for 15 yards. Terrence Will- or Tyrell Williams with 48 yards. So, you know, like I said, on this offense, it's all going to be, at least for me, realistically, who they play. Uh, but I, I still like Phillip Rivers and whoever they've got at running back, whether it's going to be Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler. I don't think you can play both, though. Um, I, you know, for instance, had Eckler going in a couple of leagues yesterday, and he did disappoint a little bit. I think with with Melvin Gordon out, obviously Eckler is going to get a huge share of the workload. Uh, but while Gordon's there, I just I don't see Eckler being, uh, you know, real fantasy relevant most of the season. Uh, next up, we have the. Three and one New Orleans Saints beating the one and three New York Giants thirty three to fourteen. So the Saints, I mean, just Drew Brees, man, come on! Every time I rank him high, he just completely shits the bed here. Just two hundred seventeen yards. That's it. No passing touchdowns. No interceptions. No rushing touchdowns like last week. Just, uh, I mean, uh, if you want to say a bad game, I guess a bad game. Not what you'd expect from Drew Brees. Uh, I don't think he's on his way down or his career is over or anything like that, guys. Just a bad game. And not even really a bad game. They ended up winning the game. Just, you know, not not what we'd want for fantasy. Uh, for In the rushing attack here, obviously, it's Alvin Kamara. 134 yards on 19 carries with three touchdowns. Added another 47 yards in the receiving game. I mean, at this point, I don't even know what to say about this guy anymore. What is uh, definitely going to be interesting here with Kamara, though, is what is going to go on with Mark Ingram as he is finally able to return to the team this week. Um, I do think that he will be used frequently. Uh, Sean Payton has just always seemed to run a two-running back uh, offense. Uh, and I do think that marking him with his fresh legs is going to be able to do some damage. So really ex- interested to see how that works out. We'll obviously break that down more on Friday's podcast. Uh, in the receiving game here, I mean, Cam Meredith, three receptions for 32 yards, continually getting more and more involved every week. I like that. I think not just for myself. A lot of people had Cameron Meredith as a, one of their sleepers going into the season, a guy who is supremely talented but dealing with a, a fairly serious injury in his knee last year, uh, getting let go and being signed by the Titans, I think, like I said, a lot of people are very high on this guy to do something good this year, and I feel like the production is picking up a little bit as he's going to get more targets. Uh, Mike Thomas here had, you know, what I would consider a just plain horrible game by his high standards, just four receptions for 47 yards, and I'm just kidding about that because Michael Thomas is a beast. And if anybody deserves a day off or a little bit of a lighter day where he's not getting his ass kicked by everything, I would say it's Michael Thomas. Just because, like I said, he's been he's been legit. He's been clearly the wide receiver one all year, in my opinion. I think he's going to finish as the wide receiver one. This dude with Drew Brees is just legit. On New York's side of the ball here, Eli Manning just continues to be mediocre. 255 yards and a touchdown. I don't know, unless you own Saquon Barkley, I don't know how you can feel confident about having Eli Manning as your quarterback at all. And I do think that he's affecting some of the guys in the passing game as well. In the rushing game, you know, Odell got 10 yards on one rush. Saquon Barkley just 44 yards, did get the touchdown on 10 carries. Uh, came through more in the passing game yet again with 56 yards on six receptions. Sterling Shepard came through big here like we talked about on the podcast, having the better matchup, 77 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, Odell, just seven catches and 60 yards. I just, I am surprised that this guy has not been more involved in the offense. I don't know... 
you know, what it's going to take. It may just be because Manning keeps missing him on throws, whether they're overthrows or underthrows. Maybe he's just not getting protection long enough against the, you know, for the offensive line for him to get the ball out where he needs it to be to Odell. Uh, but clearly disappointing in, in the start to Odell's season, and in all honesty, the fact that he hasn't even scored a touchdown yet, and we're going into week five. And then the last game on the list. Goodness, I was really hoping to avoid this game as long as possible. The 1-2-1 and Cleveland Browns against the 1-3 and Oakland Raiders with Oakland winning 45-42. And on Cleveland's side of things here, just what a bunch of crock. I mean, in my opinion, they got robbed from that win. I just was livid. When they overturned that call, that was clearly a first down. But besides being pissed off about again, what I felt was a horrible call. Uh, Baker Mayfield here, okay in his debut, I think is fair to say. Uh, two interceptions, so I don't think one of the interceptions was his fault, and then the two fumbles. Uh, one of the fumbles, which I don't think was his fault, just a bad snap, uh, but did put up 295 and two touchdowns. I felt overall, I guess, was a good game for him, but very disappointed in the the way the game turned out and the way he ended up playing altogether. Uh, but still have nothing but love for the kid. I think he's going to be, like I said, the best quarterback of this class. You know, it was one bad game in a bad in a hostile environment. I, with you know, at least in my opinion, playing two different teams with the way the refs were refing that or managing that game, uh, but all in all, Baker he'll still be good. Hopefully, you know, if you did start him this week, he didn't cost you your teams or cost your team a win with the turnovers. Should get cleaned up though after this week. Uh, on the rushing attack here, I mean, Carlos Hyde, 82 yards and a touchdown. He's continually scoring touchdowns. This is, I believe, his eighth game in a row dating back to last year. He scored a touchdown. Um, just still looking good. Not great, but good. Getting the job done. But Nick Chubb, old St. Nick, came in with 105 yards, two touchdowns on three carries. And, I mean... These touchdowns were legit. Had a 63-yarder. I believe the other one was about 40 yards where he just broke through the line, runs past everybody, scores a touchdown, and this dude is just sitting on the bench, and I don't understand it whatsoever. Hugh Jackson has come out today and say that they're going to start getting Chubb more carries, but I think they've almost got to go to a full-blown committee as much as I don't really want to admit that uh, because I'd like to see one of the guys get the ball full-time, and I do think... Hyde hasn't done anything to lose himself the job. I feel like he's played very well. Um, not great, but very well. And just I don't think he should just lose his job just to lose his job, in my opinion. So definitely going to be interested to see how that works going forward. Hugh Jackson has come out and said that they're going to get Chubb more touches. I mean, is that going to be something where, like I said, just using last last week's in last week's game uh last sunday's game you know Hyde had 22 carries nick chubb had three they're gonna split that to you know 15 carries for for Hyde and and then 10 carries for chubb i think if they do something like that in my opinion you've gotta go chubb in your lineups because i think chubb is just a more explosive back at the moment uh and he'll have a better chance to do more with it um, but like I said, we'll see what happens. I, I honestly would continue playing Hyde right now until we see what happens with Chubb and then go from there. Duke Johnson didn't do much here, at least in the in the in the on the ground game or in the ground game uh, with 11 yards rushing. Uh, did add 45 yards through the air. Um, you know, Duke. Hopefully, he continues to get better here with Baker Mayfield. Uh, but really, just not. No, I just can't trust Duke right now. Not until it, not until he shows me at least something close to what he had last year. Uh, in the receiving game here, so Rashard Higgins, like we talked about on Friday, I think is going to get a huge bump up here with Baker being here. He just seems to trust him, especially on third downs. He's going to go to him in the short area. He's going to be in the slot, so he's going to get better matchups most of the time. And as I've said multiple times, and I'll say again, I think Jarvis Landry is a much better slot wide receiver. Then Higgins is. They're playing Higgins there, and we can't we can't make Hugh change his mind on that, obviously. So Higgins, I think, is going to continue to be a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Callaway, disappointing game here. Just 54 yards on three catches. Uh, was 
Uh, Baker did overthrow him a couple times. He could have had a much bigger game, including a long touchdown. Baker just put it out of his reach. Uh, I do think the two will continue. If they continue to work together, I think we'll be a very dynamic duo going forward, but I don't see that happening at least in the next couple weeks. On top of that, Callaway did plead uh, not guilty to marijuana possession charges earlier today. And then, of course, the report came out that they may be talking about cutting his snaps because of it. So, who knows with Cleveland? A lot of times, it really seems like Hugh Jackson's doing a bunch of stuff that makes no sense to me whatsoever. So, I don't know if you can trust Callaway going forward at the moment. I personally would not. Uh, David Njoku here, another decent game, especially for tight end. 52 yards on five catches. Uh, You know, just really, uh, in the red zone, they didn't look to him, which is a little bit concerning to me. Uh, I think with as good as an athlete as he is, you would look at him in the red zone, maybe due to the fact that uh, he dropped a couple balls that, I mean, Baker just put on him, and he could not hold on to him. And, of course, Darren Fells ended up getting the touchdown in the red zone, sorry about that, uh, in the red zone with uh, just added the 49-yard touchdown, not in the red zone, just added the 49 touchdown. Uh, but for fellas, I don't, uh, I would do, do not add him, guys. I don't even know what else to say except for do not add Darren Fells. Uh, Jarvis Landry here, just 34 yards, but had, I mean, an amazing touchdown in the back corner of the end zone. If you haven't seen it, Baker put it on a dime for him. He snatched it out of the air and just a nice little two-touch in the back of the end zone to score. Landry's the guy here going forward. Kind of surprised he only got the four catches, but I think that's just the way the game played out. It was a weird game if you guys watched it. Um, I expect, well, I wouldn't say expect a whole lot more this week as they're going up against the Ravens, but I expect this offense to look a little bit different than it did against Oakland this past week as it was, at least in my opinion, a very weird game. And then the Raiders side of things. So Derek Carr came through for you, obviously. Uh, had himself a nice game with the 200, I'm sorry, 437 yards with four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, for me, Carr, I still think is a middle-tier quarterback. Uh, I don't see him having many more games like this. I do think it helped them playing against a couple of uh, second and third string cornerbacks in Cleveland as a couple of their guys went down with injuries. Um, but Carr, you know, not not overall a bad game. You know, hopefully, well, I doubt you had him in your lineup with the way he's played lately. So, for me, I'd still kind of put Carr below 15 right now. So, if you've got someone in the top 15, my rankings will come out tomorrow. We'll see where I've got Carr. I haven't finished my projections yet. Uh, but I would still, I'd be weary to trust him. I think this was kind of a one-off game, to be honest with you, for Carr and the Raiders. Marshawn Lynch here had himself a good game, 130 yards on 20 carries. Uh, you know, if you've got him, I think you're still starting him. You know, no, nothing really to change there. Receiver-wise for the Raiders, Amari Cooper finally showed up again, 128 yards and a touchdown again. What I've noticed with Amari Cooper, and I could be wrong, I'm not a you know genius NFL mind here, but it seems like when teams are playing, uh, defensive teams are playing zone against him, he seems to do a lot better. He doesn't have to go that man, man-to-man type and fight against the other players. I think that is where he thrives, uh, and it really looked like that happened to him on Sunday. He did much better against that zone defense because he was able to find the pockets in there. Uh, so I, I still do not trust Amari Cooper. I don't think he's good. Don't think he's overly talented. I do think this was kind of a once in every four or five, six game kind of great game for him. Jared Cook obviously came through again here at tight end, 110 yards and two touchdowns. They're just con- going to continue to exploit that matchup, whether they get him on a slot corner or a linebacker. If he gets open, Gruden is just going to continually hit him. Jordy Nelson here had 48 yards and a touchdown, also a two-point conversion. Uh, For me, Nelson, I think, is a very interesting uh, player to watch here. I think he could easily jump up into the wide receiver three conversation, possibly even wide receiver two. I do think he's going to be their red zone threat, as I don't think they trust Amari Cooper at all. So moving on now to the Sunday night game where the 3-1 Baltimore Ravens beat the now 1-2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers 26-14. On the Ravens' side of things, Joe Flacco, I mean, the best thing that's ever happened to this dude was the Ravens deciding to take Lamar Jackson in the draft because that lit a fire under this dude. He has been playing great all season long, 363 yards and two touchdowns in this game. 
And going up against the Cleveland Browns next week, like I said, with multiple corners already hurt and probably still going to be, they're likely going to be out. I know Mitchell is for sure because he's got the fractured wrist. Uh, so for me, Flacco, I think if you've got him, you got to continue riding this hot hand, baby, because it's going to be, I think he's just in for another great year as he's pretty much trying to tell the give the uh, Ravens organization the proverbial uh, one-finger salute there for drafting Lamar Jackson and not getting him any help. Uh, in the backfield here, Alex Collins, just 42 yards on the ground. Did have a couple fumble, or did have a fumble here. Did get benched because of that. I think he'll be fine. He'll get put back in the game. I do understand them benching him just to kind of set a precedent. If you continue to turn the ball over, you're not going to be a starter on this team. But they just don't really have anybody else on this team who could do anything. I mean, Javorius Allen had 30 yards on 10 carries. Neither one of them looked super incredible, at least in my opinion. So I, Alex Collins should be fine coming back and will play against the Browns. And then John Brown, Smokey Brown, had himself a game here. 116 yards and a touchdown over, outran Joe Hayden on that touchdown catch. I used to love Joe Hayden when he was a Cleveland Brown. So John Brown, I think, easily is now a wide receiver too. I think if you've got him, you've got to throw him in that wide receiver two or flex spot. The connection he's had with Joe Flacco and the fact that he is just able to still run by everybody, I think is is good news for him. And if you're an owner of him, as I've been saying all year long, I think that uh, as long as he's healthy, he was a, always very explosive in Arizona. I think he's going to bring that here to Baltimore. And as long as he stays healthy, he's going to have himself a good year. Other than him, though, nobody else really did much. Willie Sneed, 56 yards. Max Williams, 51 yards. Michael Crabtree, just 29 yards. I mean, just ugh. I don't even know what to say about Crabtree at the moment. Now, the one person on Baltimore I do want to talk about didn't even play, and that is Hayden Hurst. He was cleared uh, for activities. They're expecting that, or they're saying he might be available for Week Five. He's someone if he's on your waiver wire, I would pick him up. As I've talked about before, Joe Flacco loves to throw to the tight end. He looks to them. Hayden Hurst is an athletic guy at the tight end position. He's shown he can do it offensively and catch the ball. And so I like him going forward at least this year at that spot for the Ravens. And then we move into the final game of Week 4. Last night, the now 4-0 Kansas Kansas City Chiefs going up against... The now 2-2 Denver Broncos with the Chiefs pulling off a 27-23 come-from-behind victory. So we're going to start with the Broncos here. Case Keenum, 245 yards in interception. As I said yesterday on the podcast, I wouldn't start him. He's just looked mediocre. Now whether that's just because that's what he's always been or maybe it's just his offense and him trying to learn it, whichever way you want to put it, he has not looked good. I would continue to avoid him. In the rushing game here, I mean, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman could not just continue to have similar stats. Philip Lindsay, 69 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Royce Freeman, 67 yards on the ground and a touchdown. The Royce Freeman looked like the much more, uh, ex- not I don't want to say explosive runner, but was just running dudes over all night, and I love it. Philip Lindsay, definitely the more explosive guy, getting in and out, uh, breaking through holes with speed. Just love watching these two play. I think they've got a great dynamic backfield with these two. In the receiving game, we saw Cortland Sutton put up some good points here. 51 yards on just three catches, but looks to me to be the better wide receiver to Marius Thomas, and I am starting to wonder if Cortland Sutton is going to make a move into the starting lineup soon. Emmanuel Sanders here, just five receptions for 45 yards. And then obviously the leader of their pack, Jeff Hireman, the tight end, got 57 yards. As I talked about Demarius Thomas, just 24 yards on this game, though he did get open and Case Keenum missed him on what would have likely been a walk-off touchdown for the, the Denver Broncos, or at least giving them the lead with barely any time left. Um, but I've talked about it before, and I'll mention it here again. Both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders can be cut by Denver next year with minimal effect on their cap. And as good as Cortland Sutton looked in yesterday's game, I imagine that one of them is going to be gone at the end of this year, and I would probably start really to believe that it's Demarius Thomas because the connection that Sanders seems to have with Case Keenum. And then on Kansas City's side here, I mean, I I don't even know what to say anymore. I've been talking about holding off on this kid and seeing what he can do. I mean, I mean, just this 
this is ridiculous. The game that he played last night, I think, was the most impressive game he's played so far, in my opinion. Uh, it's very easily to put up the stats that he's been putting up when you're ahead in every game that you've been in. He was behind in this game, came back and won it, and I mean the hype train here. He's kind of like a, a big choo-choo train. I mean, if you thought it was out of control earlier, it's just going to continue to go. I mean, this dude has still not thrown an interception all year, added 304 yards in the air and a touchdown. I mean, just already... 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns on the year, guys. It's been this guy's having a rookie campaign for rookie campaigns. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm extremely impressed by this kid. Um, I do think that he looked mostly mediocre, pedestrian. Uh, the first three quarters, uh, I thought this Denver Broncos defense got to him. I thought that they would. I said that they would on yesterday's podcast, but then he just turned it up to a different notch in the fourth quarter. And as I said, just to me, the most impressive win so far on his young campaign was leading that team back and winning that game against a very good Denver Broncos team. I mean, just count me among another one of his just just praises. You know, I'm I'm here. You know, I'm I'm down. I'm I'm bending at the at the altar of the God Patrick Mahomes because he is just legit. Uh, I mean, I just I wish I would have grabbed him in redraft leagues because this dude was going like I'm talking late 12, 13, 14th round, and to get a guy who's probably gonna end up being one of the best quarterbacks on the year is just ridiculous. Uh, I just I can't even say enough about the guy. He also had a rushing touchdown, guys. I didn't even get to that part yet. I mean, just jeez. Well, I mean, oh my goodness, just just I just I I don't even know what to say, guys. This guy I I can't. Talk and praise this guy enough. Seriously, he's he's legit. Uh, I cannot wait to see. He's got a couple great matchups coming up this season against the Jaguars this week. He's got the Rams later in the year. I, I don't think the Jags this week. No way. Yeah, they are playing the Jags this week, and I was thinking something else. But they do get the Rams later in this year too. I mean, just oh my goodness, this kid. He's he's making a believer out of me for sure. I can't wait to see what he does going throughout the year if he ends up breaking. Peyton's records and everything like that and just when is he ever going to throw an interception because we've gone four weeks so far without it in the rushing game here obviously Kareem Hunt finally came through looked like last year's Kareem Hunt when Andy Reid decides to give him the ball and that's probably because they were in a close game most of the game 19 carries 121 yards and a touchdown just if you're a Kareem Hunt owner you were down on your knees just thanking God you know hey thank you thank you so much baby Jesus Thank you so much that Kareem Hunt's back. We'll see if he is against the Jaguars defense, obviously, coming up this weekend, but a great game for him. Good to see him back. In the receiving game here, I mean, Travis Kelsey led everybody 78 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, Kelsey owners thrilled to see him continuing to produce against Patrick with Patrick Mahomes because uh, I know a lot of people were worried about that and the fact that he would always try and take deep shots to everybody. Tyree Kill, uh, uh, quiet again this week with just 54 yards, but it's coming again, guys. He's going to have his two or three game stretch where he's 60-plus yards and a touchdown on one catch or two catches or however. He's going to continue to produce, guys. Just This is the way he is. Every couple games, he's going to have some stinkers, and that's not even really a stinker in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, not have his huge games, and then they're going to come in huge spurts. So I wouldn't worry about Tyreek Hill. Just played against a really good defense this week, and Mahomes struggled. Sammy Watkins here, nothing. Zip, nilch, zot, nada. Uh, that's mostly due to the injury. We'll see if he's back and healthy for the game this weekend. And then really, that's it, guys. I mean, not much to go out on there besides Patrick Mahomes is a god among us. And, you know, I, I think we should all just worship at the altar that is his name, Patrick Mahomes. And that's really all I've got to say on that. So for the college games here, as that, you know, finishes up our NFL games, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to kind of touch on how those ranked, ranked games finished. Obviously, um... We we touched on who was playing or who was in the match ranked ranked games last week with the with the big games going down. The biggest one obviously being my Buckeyes and Penn State. If you guys watched it, just I mean an amazing game, one of the best games of the weekend, at least in my opinion. 
Happy Valley was lit. I can't even begin to explain how great that was, but we'll get to that game in a minute. So, number 16, Miami, just whooped up on UNC, 47 uh, 47 to 10. The new rankings do come out tonight, guys, so we'll discuss those on Thursdays, though. Thursday's podcast. So, Notre Dame put a beat down on Stanford, 38 to 17. I did not see that coming. I really thought it'd be a closer game. I did think Notre Dame would win, uh, but I thought it'd be a closer game. Bryce Love had a decent game here, guys. Uh, 73 yards and a touchdown. So did um, uh, Williams. Why am I forgetting his first name? I'm sorry, guys. Dexter Williams, the running back from Notre Dame, 161 and a touchdown, uh, which I thought was really good. He's definitely interesting. Can't wait to continue watching him for Dynasty prospect-wise. And then, obviously... Uh, Miles Boykin for Notre Dame, their wide receiver, 144 yards as well, and a touchdown. And then the uh, Stanford Cardinals, big big guy. I always mess this guy's name up, man. It's uh, J.J. Arcigia Whiteside. I'm probably saying that wrong, guys, but he did get a nice touchdown here. Just 30 yards, though, but I thought looked really good. Uh, I'm really, like I said, like watching him. Uh, Alabama obviously just rolled Louisiana 56-14. Michigan State 31-20. Clemson here barely, barely pulled off the win against Syracuse with Trevor Lawrence going down. Interested to see what they're going to do with him going forward and what they're going to do at the quarterback position. West Virginia and Will Greer just destroyed, not really destroyed Tech, but beat Tech. 42 to 34. Will Greer, 373 touchdowns. I'm really liking Greer. He is moving up my board here uh, at quarterback. Uh, really, no other big games here. Washington uh, beat BYU 35 to seven. Washington, a uh, couple interesting guys for Dynasty and Jake Jake Browning, 277 and a touchdown. Uh, I liked what he did there. For Washington, Miles Gaskins, the running, my, yeah, Miles Gaskins, sorry, the running back, 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, another guy that I'm really interested in for dynasty purposes. And the last two games I'm going to touch on before we close it out here Texas beating Kansas State 19 to 14. So, with Texas, uh, there were some people who had them picked to make the playoffs this year, the college football playoffs, um, and they did not look good against Maryland whatsoever. But they're on a nice little stretch here. They've got a couple really big games coming up, unfortunately, for them. Or maybe not, unfortunately, if they can win against, you know, say, OU. Um, man, though, just they're four, sitting 4-1 right now. I really love their head coach, uh, Tom Herman. He was uh, the offensive coordinator at Ohio State, was the guy who kind of really made the offense that led them to a national championship and won, really kind of changed it around when he had JT Barrett there before he broke his ankle, and then Cardell Jones and just the way he kind of shaped and evolved that offense around him and Zeke. It was it was awesome. I think, as I said, when, when he went to Texas, I thought Texas made a great hire in him. Really like what he's done the past couple weeks. Again, they've got some big tests coming up, uh, but they've already beaten TCU. I mean... They do have OU beat USC, although USC does look a little down this year. But still, if they can beat OU, I mean, Texas is going to be scary going forward. But then, of course, the game of the weekend, in my opinion at least, the Buckeyes going into Happy Valley and pulling off the win, baby, 27-26. Dwayne Haskins, 273 touchdowns and interception. J.K. Dobbins, you know, just 57 yards and a touchdown. But added 61 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game as well. I mean, what else can you say? Great, great win for the Buckeyes. Paris Campbell showed up with 60 yards. K.J. Hill, 59 yards. And then obviously, my guy, Benjamin Victor. Not really my guy, but made the huge play at the end to get them the lead. Uh, give them that lead, 27-26. to 26. Obviously on Penn State side here, though, no joke. They played a great game. Really confusing play call at the end there by their head coach, James Franklin. Why you would call that play, I have no idea. But Trace McSorley played out of his mind. I've got nothing but respect for this kid. 
what he did. Not sure how his game translates to the NFL. I'll look more into that later on down the road as I love breaking down these rookies for Dynasty Leagues. But Miles Sanders, I thought, looked amazing. The running back there for Penn State, he struggled to do much, but... Realistic, if you look back at it, Saquon Barkley didn't do anything against these Buckeyes last year either, and look what he's turned out to be. So, really like these guys. Obviously, the the biggest kid for Penn State, their receiver, uh, K.J. Hamler, the freshman, was just tearing the Buckeyes up. 138 yards and a touchdown. Did get knocked out toward the end of that game. Uh, I'm not sure if he actually had a concussion. He took a vicious hit. Looked like he got knocked out, though. Uh, didn't obviously want to come out, but you can't. You expect that from these college kids, especially with as much as uh, as much as they want to stay in there. Not even college. You see it in the NFL too. These guys. This is their life. This is what they want to do. They love it. They love playing the game. They're they're just huge competitors. So. Great game, though. Obviously, the huge win for the Buckeyes. I was just freaking out all night long. I thought, in all honesty, I can be honest about this, Penn State was the better team all night long. Ohio State made just enough big plays to win them that game. And I'll admit, a bad call by James Franklin at the end there, the head coach of Penn State, may have cost them the win. I I know a lot of people were saying that it looked like it was an option play and McSorley could have kept it, but man, the Buckeyes just blew that up in the backfield quickly. I think they would have gotten to McSorley anyways, but all in all, a great game. Ohio State needs to improve, in my opinion, if they really want to be serious contenders against Alabama, though. I don't know if anybody really can be because Alabama with with Tua Tagovailoa, I can't say the kid's name, but Tua has looked legit at quarterback. They look seriously the the best threats for the college football championship. All right, so that's going to do it for me today, guys. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday podcast, we will call that and wrap it all up. Uh, Obviously, I'll be back tomorrow. My rankings will be out for the FLA blog beforehand. I'll uh, touch on those kind of like I usually do give my top 10 guys at each position where I got wrong. I actually had a fairly good week last week kind of looking back at it. Just a couple guys here and there I really messed up on. Drew Brees being one of them as we touched on earlier. Uh, So I'll kind of go over those and then we'll probably answer a few we'll we'll talk about some few emails tomorrow too if we've got time after the rankings and then I'll kind of probably give you guys a breakdown of what's going to come the rest of the week for me as as I said on last week's podcast I believe on Friday I'm about to be be gone going on vacation so be gonna take a little bit of a break from podcasting for about a week. I'm gonna do my best to get some stuff out there, uh, but still in talks with some people to come on and do some stuff. Uh, so we'll see where that all goes, and I'll give you guys an update on that. I, like I said, I really don't want to leave you guys for a whole week without any uh, information, at least my takes, because uh, I love putting them out there. I love giving them to you guys. So we'll see what happens, but we'll talk more about that on probably Thursday or Friday. So. Until tomorrow, we'll be back with Rankings Talk. I will talk to you guys later. Have yourselves a great night. Hey, I know I know this is a football podcast, but if you're a lover of sports like I am, we got some playoff baseball on tonight, baby. Chicago Cubs and Colorado Rockies. Let's go Rockies because I hate those Cubs for stealing that world championship from the Indians. So I will see you guys tomorrow. Talk some fantasy football rankings. Peace. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Oh, they're the